It has never been easier to start a new business that reaches millions of customers. And now people are creating amazing startups outside of Silicon Valley. But starting a company doesn't equal success. In this podcast, we dive into how founders across the southeastern United States are succeeding, why they fail, and everything in between. Welcome to Startup Pivot Scale. In 2018, a new trend emerged. It wasn't technology, a new app, or someone claiming to be changing the world. It was a vest. Not just any vest. It was a Patagonia fleece vest that was branded with the logo of your favorite startup, VC firm, or company name. Elite VCs were wearing them for years, and a new innovator cracked the code. If you simply look the part, you can raise funding. The next Silicon Valley boom had started. And soon, everyone had a Patagonia power vest. But all was not lost. Instagram accounts like Midtown Uniform popped up making fun of this you know, crazy trend. The VCStarterKit.com launched with a set of products for $500 that included a power vest, the book Zero to One, and Wine Spectator magazine. This was everything the next VC or startup needed. Clearly a satire, but how many people actually bought this thinking it was real? Then Patagonia stayed true to its roots and walked their own path. They acted swiftly and quickly, and they banned the logo power vests that had their company name on it. But still to this day, if you stop and typing on your computer and listen really hard, you can hear the next ridiculous trend brewing in the wind. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Startup Pivot Scale. In this episode, you'll be able to hear all sorts of startup stories and advice by entrepreneurs who have not quite yet made it, but are well on their way. I'm Marnav Chakraborty, Chief Technology Officer and co-founder of Flow MedTech. I'm Edwin Williams, founder of Zenhammer. And I'm David Nelson, co-founder of BrewFund. And we are entrepreneurs in the Northeast Tennessee region who have started companies in industries from medical devices to software with almost 30 years of combined experience. So David, Edwin, what has been the funniest trend in startups that you two can think of? Oh, my favorites. Uh... <laughs> pitch deck buzzwords while you're pitching in competitions where you'll hear go to a pitch competition especially at the higher levels and you can create literally a bingo a bingo sheet which david and i have done in the past uh travis made one <laughs> and you can go through and mark off like okay what's going to be this year's buzzwords machine learning and ai was big for one year where literally every startup we heard had machine learning and ai um, this year, it's, everything's built on blockchain, Tangle, or some sort of crypto foundation. So like you'll hear a pitch like, hey, we've Uberized this app, or apps to Uber of this, and we built it on the Ethereum blockchain, and we've put in NFTs for unique codes. That way, our machine learning and AI can then optimize this blah, blah, blah for da, 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 da. And in five years, we will make $10 billion. Um, that's, that's truly just ridiculous. I've just been hustling to create a synergistic pivot to become the Uber of cat daycare that's built on top of the blockchain as a streaming services platform. Wow. Well, if it's like that in Silicon Valley, you could probably get a couple million right there. I have no idea what you're doing, but you sound pretty smart. <laughs> I've been doing this forever and I'm still not sure what I just said. You know, that gives me an idea for this year's 
pitchers and pints or pitches and pints. Um, if you guys don't know, this is like a competition that we host and we started a couple years ago where we have lo local entrepreneurs pitch their ideas to the community. I was thinking for this year, maybe we do this bingo idea. <laughs> we come up with <laughs> a bunch of buzzwords, you know, handed out to the audience and the person who gets who hits bingo gets a prize. <laughs> I can just see that somebody's like, you know, they're they, they all have to pitch their ideas in five minutes or less. And I can just see a, a nervous person <laughs> up there pitching, 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 and they get three and a half minutes in and all of a sudden a per woman stands up in the middle of the crowd and just yells, bingo. Yeah. <laughs> I heard platform. I heard platform. <laughs> the half it will keep like, the audience it. engaged, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I remember Travis uh, coded up bingo conf uh, for the micro conf uh, event and we released it publicly and it was pretty fun we sat there and listened through and i think uh, travis got bingo twice i got one away and then we took a break and then we uh, it was such a shame but yeah <laughs> I, I think it's the funny part of it is that you have i mean even we called it trendly right because the naming of everything that's kind of my you know that what google kind of after google there was this precedent that's still kind of around that you have to have a two-syllable name if you have three oh i don't know you might you're pushing it i'm pushing you have four it, no know. way but mm -hmm. you know trend.com's taken so it has to be trend lee or trender you know, l y trend. yeah, trender with an r not yeah t-r-e-n-d-r yeah <laughs> yeah the io dot me no <laughs> vowels oh yeah no vowels yeah it's uh all uh, and it's funny how like diehard people are on it. Like if you do something different, it's, you know, you know, it's never going to work. You're never going to be successful. And these trends just kind of, uh, they come and go all the time, but mm. I don't think they're all bad. You know, do you guys have a favorite trend that's happened in the last few years? There's trends you get caught up in and then you just do them. Uh, like for instance, like entrepreneur fashion, it's like, if you're a tech entrepreneur, you dress a certain way. It's like, don't go to a, uh, a microconf conference dressed in a business suit because everybody looks at you funny. You know, you better be in like jeans, slacks. Do you know where the anti-business suit thing came from? Like why that became kind of a trended topic? Why that's such a... I actually do not. So that actually came out of the book Zero to One by Peter Thiel that almost every you know, Silicon Valley entrepreneur reads. And I still, it's a good book. You should read it. I read and, it. I totally forgot about that. Part. Yeah, that's one of the first things he talked about. That in the VC oh, startup, yeah. he's right? an entrepreneur yeah. in a suit. He thinks they're overcompensating for something. Yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, they don't. If they're doing that, they're not part of the. They're, they're not really part of the culture. And so that as that came out, and that's true too. I mean, Steve Jobs was nervous about people that came in and purely in suits, or it just wasn't. It showed you were outside of the culture, but it became this big trending topic where everybody was like, oh, you can't go to this. You can't do this. You can't do that. All because when after that book came out, it became the trending kind of discussion yeah. point. I think that's it's just kind of insanity too. <laughs> it's a, it's yeah. interesting because um, it's different in our industry and in healthcare and medical devices and stuff. Like I could never see myself going to one of these conferences and not wearing a suit. You know, if I went to one of these conferences in a jean and jeans and a t-shirt or something, and I was trying to like seek the opinion of these you know, key opinion leaders, uh, uh, physicians and stuff, I don't think they would take me seriously, you know? And so like in, in the healthcare industry and stuff, we have to dress up. I like not wearing suits, you know, I wish we could, this trend would have picked up in healthcare, but it didn't. Maybe it will one day, but you are, you seem out of place if you are not in a suit and you're trying to run like a medical device company, you show up in like a conference or something. I don't think you're taken seriously. 
So it, I mean, all yeah, the doctors, that's different. their culture. Yeah. What they've been around and they want to see that kind of similar, you know, administrators too. They're all, they've been in that culture their whole lives. So maybe yeah. the trend in that space is to actually wear the suit. Mm-hmm. Maybe yeah. you're just being trendly if you wear a suit. Nice comments, aren't it? Yeah, that way, did you? <laughs> <laughs> gym shorts at a conference. That was another short trip. I don't know if they, they still do that. Where gym like shorts at what? You'll see a, like a person come in. Sometimes like they're even more underdressed. It's like, oh, that must be the resident VC who just came in out oh. of the gym. No, there is some truth to that. Though. I, I'll never forget this story. This is so we had uh, this is my company at the time, Data Lanch, uh, with that I uh, helped co-found with a friend of mine, and it was a medical IT based business. We we're doing a predictive analysis on population set data within the medical records, and if that doesn't make sense. It's okay; it doesn't matter. But we won this data uh, competition at Practice Fusion, which was a free EMR, mm-hmm. and they had us come in and present at their corporate office, and they took this. A parking garage in downtown San Francisco and converted it into offices. Like you had the ramp walking up, like the bottom was parking, the ramp busy came up, like and then it opened up and they actually filled in cool. the center with glass. I mean, it was a cool thing. And there was like, because of where the gap would be uh, for the parking mm-hmm. garage, that was all windows and everybody had their pets in it. It was just really open space office, which was cool. And the, f- the funny story, with the, funny, but the interesting story, with the, they were almost out of uh, business and the founder had a really bad accident on his Ducati and took all his money from that and then just put it back in the company and they went free and they, they took off. And so when you walk in, there's like a brand new Ducati sitting right there. <laughs> <laughs> just kind of, uh, when you think about that, like, oh, yes, I got in a terrible motorcycle accident. I've got funding from my insurance. <laughs> that's, that's how an entrepreneur would think. Like, oh, yeah, I got yeah. insurance money. Such a founder funded. thing to do. But, <laughs> We're sitting there with their, the other companies listening to the data science stuff we're doing. And it was really kind of a recruitment effort for them. They kept trying to hire us, and which I don't, I totally understand. And we're sitting there in the middle of the presentation. My co-founder and the CEO is talking about how we approached it, what we're doing, giving this short little talk about data launch and how it works with a demo. And these two guys come in and they're in like, I don't know what the right term is, but it was like a white tank top that's too thin. Um, they had like gold chains in. They're like guys in their late fifties, early sixties, hairy guys. Like they should not be wearing tank tops. They're in board shorts and flip flops. Mm-hmm. They just kind of come in talking to this like meeting, and it was a presentation with maybe 50, 60, 70 people there. I don't know. They come walking in. They had like free beer for people to get, but it was right in front of the podium. And these two guys walk in, and they both like they they kind of stop talking, and they put their entire hands in the beer, and they pull out four beers total. Like, so two in each hand and yeah. then go out. There's nowhere to sit. So they go into the middle of the aisle and just sit down on the ground and open up their beers, all, all four of them each, and are like two fisting the beers right in front of everybody. And I remember looking at that going, wow, I bet that's their investors. Because <laughs> who else would possibly do that? Like, it was true. And this is another trend that actually leads me to that. Like, we're sitting there and we do this great conversation. And one of the investors comes up and introduces me and tells me who he is. And, um, you know, it says he really liked what we're doing. Sounded so cool. And basically said, yeah, I gave him your co-founder my card and, you know, make sure you follow up with us. We'd really like to talk about investment and just make sure, you know, make sure you follow up with us. And I was like, oh, great. And I saw the other guy talking to my co-founder and then everybody leaves and those guys kind of left before anybody else did. And I go up to Ryan and I'm like, oh, hey, do you talk to investors? He's like, yeah, yeah. Do you have their card? I'm like, what do you mean? Don't you have their card? Like, no, he's like, they said you had your card. I'm like, they told me you had their card. And we both just saw each other, looked at each other, and we're like, crap, are you kidding me? 
they were just messing with us <laughs> completely just messing with us wow. didn't understand anything we were saying but that was a trend we ran into for sure where people were just super nice to you nobody wanted to say no nobody wanted to be the one that you know said no to the next facebook but man it was such a painful trend that was so common in the fundraising side yeah i do think there are like some good parts to you know having trends and stuff because i'm you know this you're thinking of the newest the greatest idea and this or that and i think that leads the way for innovation in some sense and you know these new ideas and new ways to do things hopefully are there to make our lives better easier whatever you know at least for us like let's say medical devices you know we're trying to do something that's completely different than what's out there right now and i'm hoping we paved the way for a lot of companies in the future and they can kind of follow in and type and try to you know create a device that has similar design like ours because i think the way that we're doing it it's a lot more safer for the patient and stuff and so i think you know there are benefits to some trends and but i do think that sometimes there's a difference between bleeding edge and leading edge right and sometimes you can come up with something that's so new so unproven you know untested and sometimes when you come up with that it doesn't really work as well as you would think it would you know just because there's still a lot of things that need to be worked out and so sometimes they hype that up and a lot of people will try to use this technology and end up finding out that there's issues here and there and sometimes it can be like forgotten about pretty quickly just because they keep running into errors using it whereas if they would have taken a little bit more time to I think maybe validate it or you know get some more data and figure out some of these issues and stuff it could have possibly been something really great that people kept using you know what I mean more trends on the technology side uh, so much as on the culture side so I guess uh, okay where what would be a good example of that uh, in tech, David, where you see a lot of companies using a technology because one company uses it? Um, well, I, I think you'll see that. I mean, I, in the early days, like Stripe became kind of a, a trendy thing to use, even though it was truly was the best thing. But like it, nowadays, if you're not using Stripe, it almost seems kind of insane. There's other good platforms yeah. out there. I still recommend Stripe. They need to start paying me for saying that because I'm such a Stripe fanboy. <laughs> but but you do see that you'll see like a new technology coming out comes out and everybody has to use it. And it's interesting, like even Slack, right? It was kind of this thing that came out of nowhere and it was like going to replace email. And we <clears throat> we all knew that was never going to happen. But at the same time, it was this new thing. Then it's like if you're a startup that doesn't use Slack, what, who who are you? You're not even a real yeah. thing. Right? You're, <laughs> there's no way you. I mean, you're not investable if you're not using Slack, right? It just becomes these weird trends. But there's also language in that too, where in and it was a couple of years ago, it still kind of persists. But everything has to be a platform. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's. Oh, I'm building a platform. Uh, what, what's your platform? Oh, it's a mobile I app s- that helps you like. I still say that two times three every time. Oh, but it's a platform. <laughs> yeah. so there is truth to it. Like, if you're not building a platform, are you investable? You should be, but, yeah. but will they invest? That is a question, yeah. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, blockchain is another technology that's just gone crazy now. Everybody's talking about doing blockchain, and you know, with, with Brewfun, we've had a hundred people tell us at this point that you should be doing blockchain, you know, uh, where's your coin? Don't you have a beer coin? Don't you have this? And you should be doing an ICO. Beer oh, coin. ICOs were huge. Yeah, That's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> and 
mean, I, I don't even hate the idea. It's just like, but I don't, I'm not gonna do blockchain just because it's blockchain. I would argue mm-hmm. nowadays using cryptocurrency to do payments and stuff makes sense. Three There's also other things ago, like- I'm not sure it was quite there yet. Yeah, like mm-hmm. for us at Zenhammer with regards to blockchain and uh, crypto platforms, we do have some, cause like we're tangential to the residential, uh, to the real estate industry. And there are a lot of, like for instance, with Ether smart contracts, that fit into our roadmap like a year or two down the line that's something that we we will consider but just again doing blockchain for the sake of doing blockchain where it's like hey we have a mobile cat petting device that's operated on the (laughs) tango platform it's like why do you need a tango platform to do a pet your cat remotely like (laughs) (laughs) sometimes it's just but the sad part of it is that there are always trends in the investment world, right? There's trends that blockchain was getting crazy investment for a long time. It's probably going to see another series of investment of people looking to put money into it because it keeps getting bigger and more mature. And so there, there are times where it does make sense to start doing some blockchain because that's attractive to a class of investors looking to put money into stuff. If you're doing like a streaming platform, that was big for a really long time. I bet it's getting big again now with COVID. Right, but it, but there is a reality that in the technology space, sometimes you do have to somewhat follow the trend, and you might need to use similar language or be part of it just to be, you know, to to check the boxes that certain people are looking if you're doing an investment or if people are taking you seriously. But I've also seen this go really, really poorly. There was a company in Raleigh when I was at HQ Raleigh, which is a big co-working and entrepreneurship type uh, ecosystem partner in the space. And man, they, this guy was the founder of this company and it was like uh, this whole wedding platform. And they basically had almost failed the way I understood it. I could be wrong here, so don't hold me to the exact story, but they weren't doing well. But then this version of their part of the platform let you take pictures of everybody and it would all put them on one location and present it. They cut all the other parts of their platform and just doubled down on that. And it was just kind of a cool tool for that environment. And when they did that, they raised a bunch of money. And so all of a sudden, this guy, like, I swear he thought he cracked the code, went out and bought this Firebird, put all those cool designs on it. It was a cool car. But he went around and told everybody that no matter what you're doing, you should just do it for free. And then everything, it'll all work out, basically. Like, oh, yeah, just go freemium. Just go freemium. We're like, bro, come on, go freemium. And yeah. I, would, I was working on this museum technology at the time, and I was learning the hard lesson that museums don't have any money and don't want to pay anybody anything. They want you to create your own exhibit and transfer it around, and I'm learning the hard lessons while talking to them. And he goes, word for word, goes, oh, man, you just, just got to give it away for free, and you'll be in all the museums. And when you're in all the museums, especially the big ones, oh, you'll, you'll, just, you'll have it made. You'll, you'll get investment, and it'll all go well. And I just said, well, if I do get in all, like, what, 30 museums that are big museums that might have enough money to pay me someday. What, how am I going to make money? I'm going to turn around and tell these people that don't have any money that, Oh, I'm giving it for free, but now it's time to pay me. I said, well, how are, how are you guys going to make money? And he said, Oh, we're just worried about, we're just focused on growth right now. And I just laughed because, but he went around and told everybody else at this big event, how they should all go freemium. In 2019, they went out of business, right? It was webpix.com. Yeah. And I'm sure there's other issues that were wrong with it too, but it was, it was a founder that had found, and, and they were like the, the all-star in HQ Raleigh. This wasn't just like some random, they, were, they had the biggest office, they had filled it full of people, they'd raised a bunch mm-hmm. of money. I mean, this was a happening startup. It wasn't like they had a problem with, like it wasn't like just 
two guys in a garage trying to make something happen. This was one of the shining stars. And the guy was really nice. I'm not trying to make him out to be bad. He was very passionate, treated his people well. I mean, he did from when I was there, everything I saw, he was a good guy. But the trend becomes, oh, this region has this shining star. Everyone else should do what they do because that's what works. Mm -hmm. Oh, do what he does. Even the advice, I always say that don't, I've heard that don't just take my advice word for word, right? I have, I have my own experiences, but you guys have to decide, whoever's listening and takes my advice out there, they have to take that and apply that their own way. Just because what worked for me may not work for you. I would yeah. argue what worked for me probably will not work for you. You've right. got to learn the lessons from it and use that to build out your own future. And I think that's where it goes really wrong sometimes. Yeah. The power vests and all the weird language stuff, as weird as it is, it it's not as bad as when a startup does well and starts giving everybody terrible advice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I will say one trend uh, back on the, before we continue on bad trends, a good trend has been the co-working space um, boom across the country. Oh, where yeah. I'm working from home. Like, and hey, your startup. Yeah. Hey, there's like five co-working spaces you can go to. Hey, cool. Yeah. And we don't <laughs> entrepreneurs. And I yeah, think. And you start working alongside other entrepreneurs and like magic happens. It really does. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's really incredible what can come out of it. You need a co-working medical device or medical device co-working lab. That would be cool. <laughs> yeah, there. I mean, there are some around the states. Like there's actually like some, um, I don't know, I guess you would call them incubators or something where you, you kind of have like this. We, we didn't, we haven't been a part of one, but like I've heard of them where you kind of go into this lab area and you all kind of work together and stuff. And so, and it's just people who are doing medical devices. And I think you, I'm not sure you have to be accepted. I don't know if it's like a open co-working or it's like somewhat selective, you know, but they might filter you based on like what you're doing. But I think there are some out there. That's cool. Um, That's cool. Yeah. Now, yeah, it's another, say there is another positive trend. I, I'm very anti-trend to, to some degree, obviously, and I'm kind of making fun of it and joking about it. But one of the biggest trends that's going through right now, and I, I laugh at it because a lot of white men really don't like it, but there is a lot of money being pushed out from investments that are women-owned businesses, minority-owned businesses. And I, I think it creates the perception that it's easier if you were a minority or woman-owned business to get money. What I've found, the reality of that is not true, that it's you, it, there, that is now opening the doors to a whole different group of people that should have always had those doors open. And that creates right. greater economic opportunities, job creation. It's when it's just a bunch of you know, white guys like me doing this, that's only one demographic that is going to be out there hiring and doing things and, you know, building up these companies. When you get that across the entire nation, across all demographics, really good things can come out of that. Yeah. And I get the perception that, oh, it's easier to do it that way. I have not seen that to be true. You still have to have a business. You still have to be successful. There's just representation to actually be, you know, rep you know to be able to get funding. Yeah, that was actually brings up like, if we use that to springboard into some bad trends, pattern matching was you could say that what caused that, where the early successes were, you could say skinny white guys in computer science from Ivy League schools. So everybody who invested, the founders had to be from Stanford, Harvard, Yale, computer science. MIT, yeah. Yeah. And white. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, it was like, if you University. <laughs> yeah, it's like, if you, if you couldn't find another Mark Zuckerberg, you better find him at one of the Ivy League schools because he's gonna make you another billion dollars. Mm -hmm. And that I think still is an issue in 
the investing world, but it's changing a lot, which is good. You're starting to see a wider breadth of investment opportunities. But yeah, for the longest, it was that, hey, Mark Zuckerberg made a bunch of money. Let me find another guy who looks like him. It's the profile. Yeah, I've seen a rise in like minority owned funds too, like VC funds and stuff, Mm -hmm. which I think that's going to be really exciting to see how they give back to the communities and invest in startups and stuff moving forward. You know, when I was, when we first started Flow MedTech, I don't know if it was just young and naive, but I just, I never wanted to believe that someone wouldn't invest in us because of like how we looked, you know? And maybe I just like, you know, try to see past that in people and stuff like that. But sometimes I have had doubts like, and it, it just creeped into my mind, you know, it's just like, if we, if, cause you know, Christine and I were both, you know, minorities and neither of us are white males. Um, <laughs> and so like, it's just like, I've always, I mean, not I've, sometimes it's creeped into my mind. It's like, well, if one of us were like this, would we have gotten funded differently earlier, more, whatever. And I, I mean, I don't know. It's just like, a harsh reality I guess and it's it sucks um that you have to even those thoughts even creep into my mind and I try like I've never seen myself as different you know like mm-hmm. I, I, I've always thought like people would people would look at what we have to offer more than just us you know um but yeah I, I think it is it's, it's yeah, amazing it's, when you see the numbers of it because I, I never thought of it too I, I never I mean I my, I mean, I, my high school is not super much multicultural, but it was enough where we had people on you know, the football team, basketball team from all over. We even had German students, you know, come for time and uh, play sports with us. And so it, you know, I was very fortunate in that regard, but then you get into the rest of the world and you start seeing the numbers on it. And the fact that minority owned founders have like three to five times harder or three to five times less likely to get funding from the same VC fund than somebody else. And and it's a hard thing to judge too, because you also have people that have good ideas that have bad ideas. I mean, there's there are other factors where just because they don't invest in somebody, it doesn't mean it was because of the racial issues. It could just be because they, they didn't believe in the idea. Yeah. But as they've been researching and diving into it, they're finding that that's just not always true. And it's just not, if it was, the representation would be more oh, even okay. across the board. Yeah. <laughs> Reed Hoffman, I think, did a talk about that where I think it was a startup he was mentoring was woman founded and she sent him an email saying that he couldn't get that she couldn't get um, funding for her idea. And he said, well, send me your growth charts. And he looked at them. So then um, I, I, don't, I might be misremembering the story. Uh, either he tweeted the growth charts or another person tweeted the growth charts. And all these people were like, hey, I would love to invest in that company. But because it wasn't tweeted from her, it um, got the attention that she should have been getting beforehand. Uh, wow. I'm trying to remember. It was uh, trying to remember if it was him because that was. I'm trying. To, I think it was him that was talking about that in one of the. It sounds like him. I yeah, remember too. I've heard that story as well. Yeah, I think you're right. I, that might have even been one of the master of scales. Episodes. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. It was a masters of scale episode. Yeah. And then the other trend too that you're seeing is breaking the rules till you make it. Um, yeah, and that's one of my favorites too. Yeah. It's it's fake one it, of those fake things. Fake it till you make it. <laughs> yeah, fake it till you make it. Well, like there's nothing wrong with faking it till you make it, but like 
how like and it's always this gray area of okay yeah, i was gonna say is it? Be, <laughs> and, uh, is it like are you gonna be fraudulent until you make it yeah, i get i get really nervous about that because yeah, yeah it's, it's like, hard to fake it when you make it with a medical device yes <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well yeah. like even even although okay, it's been done about <laughs> yeah I need to look at elizabeth holmes elizabeth holmes my yeah. voice is deeper now <laughs> <laughs> but okay like elizabeth holmes that's that's a clear case of it's it's that's gonna be a it's they didn't have the product they faked it got caught but even look at WeWork, where they ran co-working spaces and said that they had a business model that they didn't. And then when they went to go public and Goldman Sachs is like, wait a moment, these numbers don't add up. Then you saw the fallout. And uh, what was that other startup that um, fruit juice one out of Silicon Valley where they had these pouches oh, yeah. that you were supposed to put wasn't, in a blood? It wasn't a Jamba blender. Juice. What was the... No, ah. uh, so for those people who don't know, there was a startup during the healthcare startup craze that created these bags of frozen fruit supposedly that went to the special blender that would create these amazing smoothies mm -hmm. what happened was someone ended up breaking a bag on accident and there was no frozen fruit it was just a smoothie that they were selling you that they had and they were selling you this like several hundred dollar blender that did absolutely nothing um and that's how they <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was like juicier <laughs> and it, it basically was a 400 dollar uh, device that just basically they found out just squeezed the, the, yeah, the juice bag. out of a bag. <laughs> like it was originally a seven hundred dollar machine. Like and they no vowels, yeah, too. two syllables. Yeah. Oh yeah, I really think it is. It's J U I C with a big okay. E R E. I can't really. Yeah, J U I C. I think that's an E. J U I C R O Juicero or. <laughs> And so like four hundred dollar the, the headline is the four hundred dollar appliance that squeezes juice out of a bag appears unnecessary. <laughs> <laughs> Investors Gosh. were scrambling to get on the subscription services made this juice presser a star in twenty sixteen. <laughs> There's a video of somebody just <laughs> squeezing the bag out. <laughs> oh man. But yeah, it's like if you have those and then it creates what it's like this break the rules culture. And there's nothing wrong with doing something different, but it's like, you can't go out and commit fraud and then say everything's forgiven when I have a billion dollars because you funded me. Well, I think the Elizabeth Holmes and Theranos is actually really, I can't wait for the trial. I'm curious to see how this plays out because there's actually some very serious implications for it, but it may not be what people are really thinking. Like, first of all, was it because of the trends and the lack of investment that she felt she had to dress like Steve Jobs and talk in a lower voice? I mean, that pressure could be real. I mean, that was, I cannot, I cannot literally say, I mean, as ridiculous as it seems to me today, being put in her shoes, it, it worked. Like it, it got people to follow her and everything else and got investment. I mean, that, that could be a direct result of these negative trends that have happened. Mm -hmm. The second part of it is that, and this is what I think the trial is really going to hinge on is that was she actually trying to do it? Because if you take if you take a step back and say mm -hmm. Theranos is supposed to be a, a drop of blood from your finger on a device, and it would just do run all these tests and tell you whether or not you have different diseases and everything else, and it'd be like this instant blood work test that would combine all these existing tests into this one medical device you'd have in your house. I mean, it'd be something like that would be life changing for the entire world. I mean, you could test for disease, yeah. COVID, mm -hmm. and that came out and hit us. You could have just done a, a prick of your finger and you would have known if you're, you know, 
had it right there from a blood work test, no sending it off to labs or anything else. So it's this truly revolutionary idea. Everyone told her it wasn't possible, but if they had figured it out with all the money and everything they'd raised, we would not be talking about Elizabeth Holmes as the potential fraudster. We would all be saying she's the next Steve Jobs. People would be lined up to work there. It would like she would be getting awards. And this story of faking it until you make it would be just held on a pedestal of like it was, it was revolutionary. I mean, she was a, you know, just all the other new buzzwords that go along with somebody that is yeah. <laughs> held revered for all the crazy stuff they did. You'd have right. seen all the women bleach their hair. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, there would have been all the startup women would all have bleached hair and black turtlenecks on all the time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it would have been the next trend for sure. And everyone would have said, oh, this is, she's such a revolutionary. We should all follow her no matter what. The only difference is they didn't figure it out. But what I've read and what I've seen, and even the podcast, the dropout, the upcoming movie of it, I mean, it's all really worth listening to. It does sound like they were really trying to do it. Now, she lived a lavish lifestyle like any CEO would, just like, you know, our nab with his medical device company. Just <laughs> but yeah, like a good life. lifestyle. Like if you raise a, like a billion dollars or whatever it was, the hundreds of millions of dollars they raised, like you're going to pay yourself well because you're going to start losing access to the company. That's common. That's not something that, you know, doesn't always happen. So yeah, she was doing it, but she was also working an insane amount. It wasn't like she was raising money, going out to parties all the time and not really doing anything with the business. But I think as it didn't work out, she was trying to, she was clearly covering up that it wasn't working out. Just like every startup that has, you know, made it and failed has ever tried to do. And, but every step of the way, she was still trying to make that device happen. She was taking the money that she had and putting more money into it. And so I'm not trying, I'm not, again, I'm not saying what she did was right. I'm not saying that's how people should do it. Be, let me be very clear there, but it's interesting. There's a very fine line between fake it till you make it and it works versus fake it till you make it. And then it fails because you're a yeah. villain or a hero. And I think the court case is going to hinge on was she, was she truly trying to build the, the product? Was she putting everything she had and everything that she could into that? Because if she is, then by corporate law behind the corporation, the, the corporate, the corporation's responsible. Yeah. You could be pretty negligent about your, your company. You can run your company into the ground as long as you're trying to do a, do it right. And you're not liable. That's the whole point of having a limited liability company, a corporation entity to protect it. That's that encourages people to actually be risk takers and, you know, raise money and still be able to fail without immediately going to jail because you screwed up. Now, the other side of it, they also told people that, you know, they were took tests, misinformed them and then told people they had cancer when they didn't like, that's a terrible thing. Like that shouldn't, that never should have happened. That was too far. And that's really what kind of led to their demise too, as well. But I also go back to, would anybody be talking about those mistakes if it had worked? And that's kind of a messed up question, isn't it? I'm actually trying <laughs> well, to think. I think um, in addition to that, I think I read that they also lied about their annual revenues and stuff too. Yeah. And so they were saying that they were having like hundred million or something in revenues when in reality, it was a lot, lot less than that. And so I think that was also a big thing that they found the investigation yeah, found be, or something. Well, think, here's so, one, here's a, here's a question for you guys on this, on this fake it till you make it trend. Um, take eBay. When eBay started, they had so many fake accounts playing with each other. Everybody thought that the site was popping. So that's how they attracted people. 
they had like at the early days it was like some crazy number like four or five bots to every one person um doing bids and posting stuff and nobody talks about that because ebay is successful now That's but had point. ebay failed would everybody be pointing at that activity of hey most of your platform was bots you shouldn't have done that yeah yeah i mean you're trying to sell something and like it kept going up the price was going up even though nobody was bidding i mean I, yeah that's not that's literally illegal i would it has to be illegal or it's some loophole right yeah but of course like nobody sits there and says oh evil ebay i mean they may now because people forget ebay was a big deal at one point in time but it's uh yeah it's a, it's a completely different world if you're successful i mean airbnb they went out and they just sent they scripted all this stuff with growth hacks which are another crazy yeah. thing but they they scripted out so anytime anybody posted something on um, Craigslist, it immediately tried to encourage them to repost it, but they did it so it always looked like it was an individual, not them. Yeah. And so it was like, oh, hey, I, hey I'm hey, i George. I, I just wanted to, I love this Airbnb thing so much. Really, you ought to check it out too. <laughs> and, you know, I'm not trying, I'm not, I don't have any referral code or anything. This is just, you know, I just think it'd be really worth your time. It's such a better system than just doing this. And it's like they're it's like a fake fanboy posting and they scripted yeah. it so they couldn't shut it down they did all these other crazy things they had a team of people that are paying a bunch of money to do that and it was really just screwing over another another not really business but like another product but it's revered it's like oh they did that now i should do that didn't uh yeah pinterest did something like that where the founder went into an apple store and changed all the home pages on the computer in palo alto in the apple store to pinterest he yeah, he's banned from that apple store now but uh <laughs> that's how he got his initial traction that trend and i don't think that's a trend that's ever going to go away because when you win it's celebrated so hard you're a renegade you're a revolutionary um and if you fail it's like you're the villain who should have never done that to begin with but it's like the risk reward it's like how do you it's like you see all these trends how do you determine which trend is the one that you should follow which one is the one that you should ignore and as you go forward, where it's like, okay, for Zenhammer, the trend in UI is making everything as simple as possible. That's a trend I think we should follow. But I'm not going to sit here and make a bunch of fake contractor accounts um, to say, hey, we've got this user activity and all this stuff. Yeah, I think my go-to is that if it's something that's you know fraud or it's something that you're you can't explain later. It, it doesn't make sense, but you know, yeah. basically putting on a smiling face, talking about the good things that are happening. That I don't, I don't see that on the fake it to make it side. I don't think that's a problem, but I, I think it's just such an odd thing where entrepreneurship is just known for people walking in their own path and doing their own thing, and they get mm -hmm. so caught up in all these trends, growth acts, fake it to make it, do this, do that. If you don't do this, I mean, the investment world itself. Like how you actually raise money, what you're supposed to say, what you're supposed to do, how it all works is follows these really crazy trends. And it's like, mm -hmm. why? There's just no reason for this, but it's part of the game. It is something that's out there. And sometimes you just got to shove, you know, throw on your power vest branded with your logo and go out and <laughs> I have, I have a question somebody for you accidentally raises money for you. <laughs> as, as, we come to a, as we come to a close, I have a question for you guys. Our podcast, our entrepreneurs making podcasts and new trend. <laughs> <laughs> I think Podcast. we're kind of late to this trend. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're definitely not early pioneers on this side. <laughs> Maybe in our region, but I mean, isn't that the trend though? To be late to the trend, like you don't yeah, want to jump on it when everyone is. You don't want to be early. You don't want to be on it when everyone is on it. It's kind of 
take your time and get on it when <laughs> when you feel it. <laughs> let, let, let it let it be cool for a while and get on it when it's yeah. no longer cool. Because then it's, it's cool. It's cool to not be cool. That's what's cool now. Yeah. <laughs> now, you know, well, I was just I was thinking about it. It's I feel like sometimes it's a little bit self contradictory, like startups following trends. You know, because I think as a startup, you want to be innovative. You want to do something different. You want to create your own path. But then a trend is something that everyone is kind of jumping on and following and doing that. And so I don't know if there's like a balance or what, but like <laughs> you're trying to do something different. But then you maybe sometimes you have to hop on a trend in order to be move your business forward and to get it out there or whatever, you know, or get yourself out there. You, you know what I mean? It's, no, I it's interesting it's to think about. To be in such a trailblazer that no one knows what you're doing or talking about to the point where all you're doing is following a trend for the sake of following a trend. And now you're just part of the pack. There's that yeah. happy medium of playing the game and making sure you're noticed and you're part of it while still walking your own path. And it's, it's just one more thing to complicate everything, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We look forward to you joining us next time on Startup Pivot Scale. We'd also love to hear from you. Please consider leaving a review on your favorite podcasting platform. For episode transcriptions, past episodes, or to learn more about this podcast, connect with us at StartupPivotScale.com or at StartupPivotScale on social media. This podcast is brought to you by Founders Forge, a 501c3 nonprofit that is dedicated to the underdog entrepreneurs of the Appalachian Highlands and helping them on their startup journeys. We do this by holding high impact events, building a vibrant startup community, and through one-on-one -on -one coaching for startups. Learn more at foundersforge.com.